Well, I want us to think about the filling of the Holy Spirit today. And by the way, you should have received a piece of paper today. Did everybody get uh, one of these uh, pieces of paper to fill out as I'm preaching today? Did anybody not get those? Most people didn't get one, okay. Uh, we have a couple of ushers uh, or uh, somebody to come and just, uh, I think they're right here on the front, maybe. Yeah, there are a few. If you didn't get one of these, try to get one. Some people like to fill in blanks while the preacher's preaching. Some people like to just look blank while the preacher's preaching. But uh, whichever, uh, you just do whatever you want to. And if, uh, if you don't have a pen or something like that, you can just try to memorize the words and then write them in later. Wouldn't that be fun? Okay. We've been talking the last two or three weeks about the Holy Spirit. I read a book a few years ago by Francis Chan called Forgotten God. And the idea, when I saw that, I thought, what a strange title. But as I read the first chapter in the book, he says that most of us today in Christian circles, he said, are very familiar with uh, God the Father. We talk about God the Father a lot. We're very familiar with God the Son because we think about Jesus a lot. But he said for a lot of Christians, and especially in mainline Christian churches, the idea of God the Holy Spirit is just kind of nebulous. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is just as much God as the Father, just as much God as the Son. He is, in fact, the person of the Trinity who actually intimately delivers the purpose of God and the ministry of Christ, the redemptive work of Christ, into our hearts personally. It is just amazing. And just the last few weeks, as I've been studying and reading about the Holy Spirit, I've just been overwhelmed with how much there is in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. So the last couple of Sundays, I've preached about the Holy Spirit. The first Sunday, I talked about who He is Talked about his ministry throughout the Bible and and ministry and inspiring the scriptures. Ministry actually and being an agent of creation of the world and uh, many, many other things we talked about. Then last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit and what he does in the believer. So just uh, uh, a little bit of the introduction. Number one there, we are saved by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. I mean, I know God the Father planned our salvation, chose us in eternity past for salvation. God the Son died on the cross to accomplish our salvation. But the Holy Spirit is the one who actually converts us. He is the one who actually does that inward work. The Bible says that we're not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it is by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's something He does in us. What does He do? He First of all, He convicts us of our sin. He shows us that we are a sinner. He reveals to us that we need a Savior. Nobody ever comes to Christ until the Holy Spirit shows them they need to come to Christ. So that's what He does first. He convicts us of our sin. And then He actually brings us to Christ. He is the one who draws us and brings us to Jesus so that we can have faith in him. 
And then he brings about the new birth in us. We are born of the Spirit, the Bible says. And the Spirit is the one who actually accomplishes that work of the new birth in us. Now, a lot of this is review of last week. And then he's the one who gives us eternal life. He's the one who imparts into us that new life, the life of Christ, that eternal life. And then, fifthly, he moves in and takes up residence in us. Do you know that if you're a Christian, you have actually living in you God's Holy Spirit? The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you, so much so that the Bible says that if any man does not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, he is not his. That is, he is not a Christian. So that's the distinguishing mark of having become a Christian is that God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. Any questions about any of that? That all makes sense? That was a review of last week's message, actually. And uh, this is, when this happens, the Bible calls it lots of different things. The Bible calls it salvation. The Bible calls it justification. That is, that God sets us right in relation to him. He treats us as if we are not just guilty, I mean, not just not guilty, but actually righteous in his sight and then it's also called the new birth it's called redemption are those things all written out there okay uh it's called the uh, being baptized by the holy spirit spiritual baptism there's one faith one lord one baptism that we all participate in i know there are people today who believe that you get saved at a certain age and then later you get the holy spirit well that's just not biblical folks that's not true if you do not receive the holy spirit you don't get saved that's just the fact And so there is one baptism, and then the Bible refers to it as the sealing, S-E-A-L-I-N-G, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He is that seal of God that protects us, that assures that we are His, and and that's, that's part of what all this is called. So uh, it's a sovereign, permanent, once-for-all work cannot be repeated, will never be revoked. However, it is life-changing. When you become a Christian, when God's Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, brings you to Jesus, converts your soul, takes up residence in you, from that moment on, you are His. You are His. And you say, well, what about a Christian who sins? Well, what about a Christian who sins? Are you a Christian? Have you ever sinned? Yeah. No. I mean, if you say no, you just sinned. <laughs> of course. Well, what about, what about a person who just totally renounces their faith and goes off and, and, uh, and becomes a, 
uh, an atheist or something. Well, I, they weren't ever saved. The Bible says in 1 John, they went out from us because they were not of us. Had they been of us, they would surely have remained with us. So when God saves his people, he secures his people. And he holds on to us. We say, well, I just want to hold on to Jesus. That's a good idea. But a better idea is let him hold on to you. I can remember one time when I was a little boy, we'd gone to the fair there in Bolivar, Tennessee, where we grew up. And we were a big crowd of people. And uh, my, my daddy said, now, son, you uh, let me hold your hand. And I said, well, I'll hold your hand. So I reached up and grabbed his finger and and I'm walking along. He said, well, let me hold your hand. I said, no, let me hold your hand. So I held his hand. And we're walking along. And I look over, and there was a dime laying on the ground over in the sawdust. And I turned loose his hand, went over and picked up that dime, looked at it. It was a real dime. I put it in my pocket. I come back and grabbed a finger, which I assumed was my daddy's finger. We walk along a little ways, and I said, Daddy, look. Ah! <laughs> Wasn't my daddy at all. And from that time on, and he was just a little ways away watching what was going to happen to me. And then he, came, he said, Now, son, let me hold your hand. I, yes, sir, Daddy, you hold my hand. I'd rather you hold mine than me hold yours. And so that's the way it is. I tell you, I'd rather God hold on to me than me try to hold on to him. And... uh so that's, uh, that's, that's number one. Number two, as believers, we are to live by faith and by being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way we're to live our life. The whole idea of the... You want to live a Christian life? Do you want to live a good Christian life? This means Yes. Okay, well, I got some bad news for you and some good news for you. The bad news, you cannot do it. You can't do it. You can try to do it, but you can't do it because it's Christ's life. You can't live Christ's life. That's the bad news. You can try to be as religious and as good and as kind and everything, but you cannot of yourself do it. Jesus said, I'm the vine, your branches, and if you abide in me and I in you, then my life will be in you. But he said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can't do it. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. He can do it. And he does do it, and he does it in the power through the agent of the Holy Spirit living in me, and he is able to live the Christian life in my body by faith in him. But see, it's not just automatic. How were you saved? You were saved by grace through what? Faith. Through faith. It is by believing. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? It is by believing. 
It is by faith. We walk by faith, the Bible says. We're saved by faith, but we also live by faith. I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. However, (laughs) it is not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we think about people in the New Testament who were filled with the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned Elizabeth and John the Baptist and Zechariah here, but I want to, you can just look those up for yourself. Those are interesting. But I want to start with Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, all the disciples were gathered together. Jesus had said to them, you remain in Jerusalem and pray, and you will receive power when the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Acts 2, 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I do not believe that that is a ecstatic utterance there. I believe he's talking about languages that they hadn't learned. This was a, a one-time, once-for-all miracle where God was actually unifying the body of Christ by giving them the Holy Spirit. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit into one body and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Simon Peter was filled with, well, let's look at chapter 4, verse 31, another place where the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness, with confidence, with boldness. So, and then we come to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. We read about Simon Peter. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he preached an amazing sermon in Acts chapter 4, filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul, who is also Paul, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. So Ananias departed, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, this is uh, after he has become, uh, he's still Saul, but he's called Paul here. And Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, and he delivered a message to this particular man. Uh, All the disciples in uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 52, says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it just these are just a few. You can go through the New Testament. You find over and over and over again uh, examples of those that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We are commanded 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a command. Listen to Acts, I mean Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. It says, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, that is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I got to admit, most Baptists love the first half of that verse. Or used to. I think a lot of Baptists start drinking now. But, uh, but uh, used to, back in the 50s and 60s when I was growing up, I heard lots of sermons on the first half of this verse. But I don't remember ever hearing one on the second half of the verse. And that's the purpose of that verse. Now, I'll just say, I, I, I think the first half's still good. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk with wine or anything else. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. In my morning devotionals the last few weeks, I've talked about some contrasts and some similarities. You know, when a person's filled with wine, a lot of times he gets real bold. He gets real, you know, uh, outgoing. You know, maybe he's a shy person when he's sober, but he gets a little drunk and he gets real, real bold. I heard about some timid guy. Now, it was in Atlanta, actually, uh, uh, Kathy, Kim, and uh, this guy got to drinking. He got drunk. He went down to the fire station, and he walked up to a fireman. He said, what's your name? And the guy told him his name, and he wrote it down on a piece of paper. He walked over to another one. What's your name? He told him his name, and he wrote it down. Then he walked up to this guy. He's about 6'8", weighed about 280 pounds. Said to him, what's your name? He told him his name. He, started, he said, what, what are you doing? He said, I'm making a list of people I'm going to beat up. And that guy grabbed him by the shirt and said, I want you to know you can't beat me up. He said, I'll scratch your name off then. <laughs> but he would have never done a foolish thing like that unless he was under the influence of the alcohol. So sometimes when people get little uh, under the influence, they, they, they get real, real outgoing. Well, I tell you, when you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you become bold too. And the Bible says that they spoke the word with boldness as they were filled. There are a lot of other similarities, a lot of other contrasts that I don't have time to go into right now. But uh, this verse, Ephesians 5.18, it says to be filled with the Spirit, uh, just so you'll know I went to seminary, I want you to know that that is what's called a, a, a progressive, I mean, a, a, a present tense imperative. And it means to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. The salvation, the being baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ is a one-time event that happens once and it's done just like your physical birth you know when you were born uh that's that's not gonna happen again you're born when you got saved that's not gonna happen again you're saved but after you're born as a baby you you start breathing and you don't just breathe occasionally you breathe repeatedly regularly you don't just breathe on Sundays or you'd be dead by Sunday if you didn't breathe the rest of the week. You, you're constantly being filled with oxygen. That makes sense? When you get saved, 
you are immediately, instantaneously filled at that moment with the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in you. But this command says it's something we have to continually walk in. We walk in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit and live by the Spirit. And so uh, this is a command, but it's a command of something that happens continuously, not just repeatedly, but continuously. Uh, I'll give you an illustration of it in a few minutes. But uh, So why? Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Well, Acts 4.31 tells us that it is for boldness. Boldness in prayer. Boldness in witness. We need to be filled with the Spirit. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what they do? And they kept on speaking the Word of God with boldness. You want to be a witness for Jesus? We do, don't we? What's the greatest hindrance in being a witness for Jesus? Huh? What? Shyness. Yeah, kind of fear. A little, well, I... I'd like to talk to these people about Jesus, but I don't know what they think of me. I don't know, you know, what if I say the wrong thing? What if they ask a question? I don't know how to answer it, all this kind of stuff. And we talk ourselves out of it. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a confident boldness <clears throat> that enables us to talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to point to Jesus. Matter of fact, He does not like to point to himself. He loves to point people to Jesus. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we have a boldness to talk about Jesus. We also have a strength to do impossible things. Now, you say, well, impossible, and like what? Like forgiving people who've hurt us. That's hard, isn't it? Like responding in grace to people who insult us. Those are hard things. You know, sometimes we think about, you know, uh, a lot of high school students use the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I can run a faster race. I can play a better ball game. I can dunk the basket. I can, okay, that's good, but... That's not the things that he's talking about in that verse. The things he's talking about is the ability to have a heart that is settled and content in Jesus. It's the ability to walk in the ways of God and be obedient to Christ in every way. I, I don't have any problem with a high school student or a college student putting a, that verse on their wall. I'd rather put that verse on than and Jesus, and Judas went out and hung himself or something like that, you know. That's a Bible verse, too. Uh, but that it's okay to put that verse on there and, and say, Lord, help me do my best. But that's not what that verse is talking about. That verse is talking about doing the things that are impossible in the flesh to do. Now, when the flesh is in control, we don't love those that hate us. We hate them right back. But by the Spirit, we can love them. It's the strength to obey. Uh, it's, 
when, when God's Spirit fills us, we are able to do what we can't do without His strength. Last Christmas, Brother Joe and Maxine gave me some gloves for Christmas. You remember that, Maxine? I, I love those gloves. And I was so glad to have an extra hand. And so, but I got a defective glove. I'm sorry. I took this glove home and I told it what to do. And it wouldn't do a thing. In fact, I told it, pick up the hammer and drive a nail. It just laid there. I tried shaming it. I said, you're a, you're a sorry glove. But it, it, didn't do, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. I tried bribing it. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll give you something special if you'll, just, if you'll just pick up that hammer. It just laid there. It didn't do a thing. I tried everything I could think of, and then I tried one other thing. I filled that glove with my hand. And all of a sudden, that glove took on the strength to pick up that hammer and drive that nail. Nobody take a picture of this, please. Go ahead. That looked kind of bad. We'd say, well, look at the preacher. He's up there threatening everybody with a hammer on Sunday. No, I'm telling you that that glove now can do anything that my hand has the strength to do. Now, it may not be pretty, but I ain't either. But when God's Spirit fills me, I can do anything that God's Spirit can do and wants to do. And so can you. And that's why the Bible makes it so absolutely clear that we must be being filled by the Holy Spirit in order to have the strength to do what we cannot do without His strength. Now, see, in able to enjoy and produce the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, tells us what happens, what comes out of us when the Holy Spirit, not just when the Holy Spirit's in us, when the Holy Spirit fills us, He produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I told you it was impossible things. You can't do those things, can you? Those things. I have people say, man, I, I'm just trying to be patient. Well, I can't be patient all by myself. But God's Spirit produces patience that is supernatural. I tell you, in marriage... In marriage, what do, you, what do you have to have to have a successful, healthy marriage? You have to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Why are so many marriages not healthy? Because... They don't have those things. Why do they not have those things? Because either one or both of the spouses, would that be right? Wouldn't be spice, would it? 
either one of the spouses or both of them are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And you have a husband and a wife who are both filled with the Holy Spirit and you will have a harmonious and healthy marriage. And then also the Holy Spirit, if he fills us, he gives us understanding. Colossians 1.9. Going to move a little faster here. Colossians 1.9 says, uh, We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. When the Holy Spirit fills us, he gives us wisdom and understanding. And then he gives unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. This is a wonderful verse for every church, for every Christian. Ephesians 4, 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you know that when the Holy Spirit fills a church or the members of a church, there is unity. There is unity. He creates the unity. And we maintain that unity through the bond of peace. Well, there's so much more to be said about that. Then just one other quick thing here, relationships. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. I'm not going to read this whole thing to you, but through 6, 6. It talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18, and then immediately it begins to talk about what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a, a joy in your life. You begin to sing with uh, enthusiastic uh, in fact, my devotionals this next week, uh, Stephanie, you'll enjoy reading. Do you read my devotionals? I thought you did. Uh, I knew you did. <clears throat> you'll really enjoy the ones next week because it's, on the, it's all about music. It's all about singing and making melody in our heart. That's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know a spirit-filled congregation is a singing congregation? That's why we love to sing songs like we sung this morning. Uh, and then it talks about husbands will love their wife like Christ loved the church when they're filled with the Spirit. Wives will honor, respect, and submit to their husbands when they're filled with the Spirit. Parents will love and nurture their children when they're filled with the Spirit. Children will obey and respect their parents when they're filled with the Spirit. Employers will uh, treat their employees with fairness and with the kindness when they're filled with the Spirit. Employees will treat their employers with respect and uh, uh, faithfulness when they're filled with the Spirit. That, that's what I'm talking about, relationships. Y'all just take time to read that yourself. Now, how are we filled with the Spirit? That's what you want to know. How do we get filled with the Spirit? Well, it is by knowing the truth. Know the truth. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So I have to know some truth. I have to know that I have been crucified with Christ and that God's Spirit 
now lives in me. I have to know that. But then I have to reckon it to be so. Look at Romans 6, 11. So you must also, I think the King James says, reckon. This says consider yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. I like the word reckon. It's just an old, good old southern word, I reckon. But, uh, but, uh, but it means to count it as so. It means to actually, actually consider it true. It's one thing to know something in your head. It's another thing to reckon it so in your heart. So know that you're filled with God's Spirit. I mean that, you, you're, that God's Spirit lives in you. And then reckon that to be true. And then you yield yourself to Him. Know, reckon, and yield. Romans 12, 1. Do not be conformed to this world. Well, go ahead and go verse 2. You're, you had the right one. Now I'll go back to verse 1. Okay. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And, and actually, if you go ahead and read all of Romans chapter 6, You'll see this word yield, yield, yield. Yield your hands, yield your, the members of your body to God for him to use. So know the truth, reckon it to be true, yield, and then walk in his power. You actually, moment by moment, you say, Holy Spirit, fill me with yourself. Fill me with your power. Fill me up right now. And it is by faith that we do it. I used to use the illustration that being filled with the Spirit was kind of like charging your battery. And that's not a bad illustration. I used to use the illustration about like you drive your car and when you notice you're just about out of gas, you stop at the service station and you fill your tank. And that's not a bad illustration, but it's not a good illustration, not a perfect illustration. When I was in Bulgaria, when I was in Sofia, Bulgaria, there was a cable car, a trolley car that came by and uh, there was an arm on the top of that trolley car that went up and touched a cable on that that ran overhead. And, of course, they have them here in Dallas, too. But this is the first time I really noticed it. This is where I got the idea. And I saw that cable car running along, and it was constantly in connection with that cable. Is that what it's called, cable? A wire, whatever, and I guess the cable. That's why I call a cable car. I guess, and uh, as long as it stayed in connection with that, it had all the power of the whole city of Sofia available to it. But if somehow or another it got disconnected, it lost its flow of power. It still had full potential. It just was not being filled with the power. And do you know that my life is that way? If I am being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like he's a vine and I'm a branch and I'm connected to him and his life is flowing 
into me and through me and producing fruit and all the things that he wants me to do. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And then one last thing. You need to saturate yourself in the Word of God. Listen, Colossians chapter 3 is the counterpart to Ephesians chapter 5. It has a lot of the same words. But instead of Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, instead of it saying, and be filled with the Spirit, look at what it says. And let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then it picks up right what Ephesians says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I read that, I thought, being filled with the Spirit in some way is connected to, even has some similarities to, being filled with the Word of Christ. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, know that Christ lives in you, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Reckon it so. Yield your members as instruments to the Holy Spirit and walk in His power, but also swim in the Word of God. Read it. Read it. Read. Do you know Satan absolutely despises the Bible? He wants people to reject it, denounce it, uh, uh, deny it, all that kind of stuff. That's a lot of atheists, a lot of people out there do that. Not, but Christians don't do that. So he is not as much concerned about trying to get you to deny the Bible, parts of it maybe, but he just, he just wants you to not read it. <laughs> He can just keep you away from it. Just, there are other things that you could busy yourself with. Look, I don't believe that I can be consistently filled with the Spirit if I'm not consistently in the Word of God. I may want to think about that a little bit, but I... I think, there's, I think there's some truth to that statement. It may not be 100%, but there, there's some truth there. For me, for sure, as I am filled with God's Word, I sense more and more how to know the truth, reckon it so, and yield myself to Him. So, walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. You don't get saved over and over and over again. You're saved one time, but you live by the Spirit. You live by the Spirit. So be filled. Be being filled with the Spirit. Now, if you have any questions, I don't have time to answer them right now. But if you email them to me, I'll try to answer them. And uh, if you want to come back tonight, <clears throat> we'll try to answer them tonight. But uh, here would be my my plea today. If you're not a Christian, then this message doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't make any sense to you. You need to be born of the Spirit 
You need to receive Christ. You need to welcome Jesus into your heart. You need to be saved. But if you're already a Christian, and that's maybe nearly everybody in here, if you're already a Christian, the great emphasis today is let the one who lives in you fill you. Let him control you. Let him have total access to you. Let him be the driving power, force, and source in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, I would say very clearly that I could not function at all spiritually apart from your Spirit. I could do some things. I could do human things. I could do fleshly things. I could pretend. I could do all kinds of religious things, but nothing with real spiritual power apart from your Spirit. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit of God, work in our hearts. If there's one here who's not come to Jesus, draw them. Draw them. Show them their need for Christ. Show them the sufficient sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and draw them to Jesus. And then I pray for every person here who is a Christian, including my own self, that we will be being filled with the Spirit, that we will walk by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.